Every year the National Right to Work Foundation uses Labor Day to remind Americans that celebrating workers must include respecting their individual rights by opposing the injustices of forced unionism. This year, National Right to Work Foundation President Mark Mix's opinion pieces calling out union coercion and extolling the vital freedoms and opportunities secured by Right to Work reach the public through dozens of outlets. Here are some of the highlights. On Right to Work's Freedom and Prosperity With help from the same National Right to Work Foundation attorney who argued and won the Janus case, Chicago teachers Afoman Kemdi and Joanne Tresh, appealed to the Supreme Court. Sixteen states and four separate legal foundations filed amicus briefs supporting the educators' petition, which the Supreme Court is set to take up in October. The educators are riding the momentum from a historic decade of wins against compulsory unionism. Since 2012, five states, Indiana, Michigan, Wisconsin, West Virginia, and Kentucky, passed right-to-work protections, ensuring union membership and financial support are strictly voluntary. Mark Mix in the Washington Times, September 6, 2021. And so, a year after the COVID-19-induced economic slump hit its lowest point in April 2020, right-to-work states led the way in getting jobs back on track. In right-to-work states, the number of manufacturing payroll employees had rebounded 10.1% just one year after its 2020 lows, a bump 63% greater than what forced unionism states experienced, according to Labor Department statistics from July. Mark Mix in Fox Business, September 6, 2021. Sluggish job growth in forced unionism states was not limited to just the pandemic recovery. A National Institute for Labor Relations Research Analysis points out that, from 2020 back to 2010, employment in states lacking right-to-work protections increased by only 2.4%, paling in comparison to -to right-to-work states' 11.0% jump in the same decade. It's no surprise, then, that right-to-work states passed the milestone just last year of now playing host to the majority of employed people in the United States, according to the Department of Labor's Household Survey. Mark Mix in the Boston Herald, September 6, 2021. On union boss attempts to expand their coercive powers over rank-and-file workers. It's no wonder polls consistently show that more than 80% of Americans support the right-to-work principle that no worker should be forced to pay union dues as a condition of employment. Union members, too, overwhelmingly agree. When union membership and financial support are voluntary, union officials are held accountable by workers who can cut off support if these officials aren't meeting their needs. Instead of rising to the challenge and seeking workers' voluntary support, union bosses continually resort to attacking the right to work. Mark Mix in the Washington Examiner, September 3, 2021. Union officials attempt to justify their use of coercion by claiming that forced association and forced dues are good for workers, but even Vice President Kamala Harris has admitted that's not true. As California's Attorney General she filed a Supreme Court brief acknowledging that unions do have substantial latitude to advance bargaining positions that run counter to the economic interests of some employees. Mark Mix in Newsmax, August 31, 2021. Why do teachers' unions across the country have the power to dictate the terms of school districts reopening, while the tax dollars of parents, nearly 80% of whom supported in-person instruction, continue to flow towards those districts? The answer is that, in nearly every state, the heads of public sector unions have at least some power to force teachers, police officers, firefighters and other public employees into one-size-fits-all contracts that make public services more responsive to the interests of union bosses than to those of the public. In the devastating wake of COVID-19 and the misguided policies that came with it, now is a better time than ever to take a close look at how public sector unions became the entrenched special interest group they are today. 
ending union officials' monopoly bargaining privileges would strike at the root of the problem while protecting the freedom of association of teachers and other public employees who do not feel that these unions represent them. Mark Mix in Newsweek, September 3, 2021. On Union Corruption. If Pontoa's account correctly depicts the facts, the culture of union corruption must be deeply ingrained in the IM. If even a union vice president can attempt to combat embezzlement and lies by a fellow union officer without facing a vicious campaign of retaliation, imagine what would happen to a rank-and-file worker who tried to do the same. Unfortunately, under current federal policies, many if not most IM represented workers in all 50 states, including the 27 right-to-work states, may currently be forced to bankroll a union, or be fired, as a consequence of the federally imposed railroad-slash-airline industry loophole and state bans on forced union dues and fees. Mark Mixon Newsmax, September 10, 2021. Workers in Michigan are now free to decide for themselves whether union officials deserve their support. Meanwhile, Bob, King's UAW has been engulfed in a massive corruption scandal including the misuse of workers' dues money. Had King and other union bosses had their way, workers in Michigan would be forced to not only fund union officials' opulent lifestyles, but also their salaries and the legal bills associated with the scandal. In states without right-to-work protections, workers in UAW shops continue to bear those costs. Mark Mix in the Detroit News, September 6, 2021.